After this, you'll never have to sweat another contract again. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Would you like to learn how to use LinkedIn to make money for your voiceover business? I'm going to teach you how to do it with a fully updated for 2024 version of Making Money with LinkedIn. I'll be teaching the masterclass live February 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern and February 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Two opportunities to attend live, but if you can't, don't worry, you're gonna get a video recording as well. Get the details and get signed up at vopreneur.com, click on the store button. That's vopreneur.com, click on the store button, look for Making Money with LinkedIn. The Vopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Voice actors want to voice act. This is a universal truth. Give us a booth, a microphone, and a script, and we're in our happy place. On the flip side of that, give us a desk, a computer, and a contract, and most voice actors have just landed directly into their sad place. Yes. Unfortunately, contracts are a part of what you sign up for when you choose to start a voiceover business. My guests today are going to do their best to make that subject just a little less daunting. Welcome to the show, the sister duo, voice actor Lynn Norris and attorney Karen White. Yes. Hello, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> All I could think about, and you may or may not get the reference, White Christmas, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started doing, I'm doing a show with sisters. That is all I can think about is the sisters song <laughs> from White Christmas. So for those of you that get the reference, you're welcome. That is in your head now and you will have to search it up on YouTube. Uh, and for the rest of you, you're like, holy crap, how old are you and what are you talking about? And that's fine too. <laughs> it is definitely in my head. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> See, there you go. You're going to be, that is going to be going on for the rest of the night now. Definitely. Okay. So. This is an unofficial statistic, but I think that it's fair to say that about 99% of voice actors don't actually enjoy reading contracts. But tell us about some of the bad things that can happen when we don't. Let's scare them. Let's scare them into reality. (laughs) Um, I think... I believe Tim Friedlander did uh, do an unofficial poll, and you're pretty close. It was somewhere like 85, 90 percent of people who don't have formalized contracts that use some other either in in an email or like, hey, well, we talked about it, so I think we're okay," uh, kind of way. But Karen can give you more details about why you should use a contract or. Well, here's the here's the reality of all of this, that you you have a contract, whether you actually signed a piece of paper or not. And contracts are really not that scary. But if you don't know what you've agreed to now, that's scary because now you have these things called uh, unmatched expectations. And I would another non-scientific poll, I would guess probably 75% of litigation has to do with unmet expectations. And so if you have not thoroughly thought through or thoroughly discussed and then documented what you're actually signing up to and agreeing, you're just setting yourself up for potential hardship down the road where you now have to leave your booth and your happy place microphone and go deal with lawyers. So- that's my happy place, I, but it's not yours. <laughs> I don't want to ask this question because I don't want to jinx it. But I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this the other day because we were talking about LLCs and you know limited liability and, and all of that. But I was like, I don't know of a story of a voice actor ever being sued. I'm not going to say it's never happened. Maybe it has. I didn't know. I haven't heard of it. But I was like, hopefully it doesn't happen. But it's not just that part that we have to be worried about, right? It's not just getting sued for something we did or didn't do. That's actually probably for voice actors, that's the smallest percentage of what we should be thinking about when it comes to the contract side. So what are some of the things that we really do need to be thinking about from a contract perspective? Yeah, I think probably the bigger thing is not that you get sued, but that you don't get fully paid for what you the work that you've done 
or you only get paid for a portion of what actually exists in the in the actual thing that you've produced. So for me, it would be the what's missing and what have what money have you left on the table as opposed to, oh, I got sued for something. However, on the flip side, even if you're the one person who gets sued because of something that you probably did unintentionally or didn't do unintentionally, that can take down your business. And yeah. so the last, I mean, I don't want to tell people there's everyone right and left getting sued, but if you're the one who does and loses your business. You don't want to be the one, right? right? Let's not be the don't precedent be the setter here. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> and the thing that's so like, to me, the reason that this course is important to me, the fact that we want to talk about these things is because it doesn't have to be that way. No. Yeah. And you don't need to hire a Wall Street lawyer or a you know K Street law firm in DC um, to to be able to protect yourself. That's the good news. Right. There there is a common misconception I think around contracts that our obligation is to shut up and sign it. And I think a lot of voice actors feel that way because they feel like if I if I push back, if I ask questions, you know, they're just gonna ditch me and move on to somebody else or whatever. So a lot of talent just figure it's not even worth reading it because I don't want to lose the job. But redlining a contract is actually a perfectly normal and legitimate thing to do. I think my opinion, and maybe I'm just optimistic and delusional, is that it actually makes you look more professional to the receiver because you actually read it and are paying attention to what we're what you're doing, but talk a little bit about that. Talk about that, that feeling around the contracts and, and redlining what that is and why it's okay. Yeah. I think that in business, not just voiceover business, but in business in general, negotiation about a contract, which is just talking about it. That's all it really means. Negotiation is a big fancy word. That just means a back and forth about the terms of the agreement. I agree with you. I think it shows that you're that you have some amount of savvy about what it is you are are and are not willing to do. And there may be some things that you even ask a question about, hey, what do you mean by this? It might turn out that you're perfectly willing to sign up to that. Asking yep. a question doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to refuse to sign it. It just means you want more information before you enter into this agreement. Uh, I don't think that shows anything other than a savvy, smart business person who's willing to uh, stand up for themselves and for their business and for the, the rights that they have. I would so much rather ask the question and risk looking stupid than find right. out a year down the road that, you know, I signed my life away or you now have, you know, rights to my first child or whatever it is. Or, like, you, or you gave up the right to fight back if, yeah. you know, you signed something that said that you agreed that you were part of the construction of the contract when you weren't. Yeah. And maybe you signed something like that. And then you later down the road have a problem with them. And they're like, oh, well, you signed over your right to complain about it. Too bad. So you want to make sure you're not doing those kinds of things. And I don't think asking questions are a problem. I have... Um, a client that has a pretty com a pretty complicated um, contract, and uh, they were perfectly willing to have a conversation about it. So I think sometimes we just are afraid, oh, well, they'll have to go back to their lawyers and they won't want to waste their time and they'll just find somebody else who will do it. And I don't know that they're, they picked you for a reason. You know, you weren't just the first voiceover person they fell over. They picked you because of your audition or because they know you. So they want to work with you. So, yes, maybe re reconstructing the contract is too too much for that moment. I, I had that experience as well. But for the very next contract, it wasn't. And so I was like, OK, well, just, you know, we were able to figure out moving forward how to fix it in the next one. So does that protect me from the last one? Not entirely. But there are options like talking is still way better than just being afraid and yeah, signing, 100%. signing away something you don't want to sign away. It's so. that the problem is you get these standard boilerplate agreements that they use for like every vendor, regardless right. of what that vendor is. And as you start reading through it, you're like, 
you probably redline half of it because it has absolutely no bearing on voiceover whatsoever. And so on right. one hand, you're thinking, what difference does it make? It has absolutely no bearing on voiceover whatsoever. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, why leave it in there just in case, or there's something that I don't understand. And, and, and that I think is part of the problem, but Lyndon, you can probably speak to this because you're on the, the voiceover side. I can say that for the number of times that I've redlined a contract and sent it back or asked a question, more often than not, the response is, I have no idea what that means, or we didn't even know that was in there, or, oh yeah, absolutely, we can take that out. I, like I get those kind of responses more than I've ever got a sign it or we're not hiring you. Like yeah. what, what has your experience been? Is it similar? I, I've never had anybody say you have to sign this one. The one time where it was like, oh, okay, well, this went through a lot of lawyers. Uh, is there any way we can work together on this? That was the only reaction where it was like, can you please sign this one so we don't have to delay this project? Um, but yeah, I mean, they were, then they were worried about me because I yeah. could have easily said, nope, absolutely not. Yeah. I will not sign this you must go back and fix it. And they would have had to because they would wanted to work with me. But I mean, there are ways, of course, to have a good working relationship that you don't have to add. But I think, yeah, I've also signed contracts where uh, I have redlined things and they've said, oh, yeah, 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 that's for other vendors. We're fine. Yeah, yep. that's fine. That's fine. Sign it. Yeah, no, we get it. That's, that's totally okay. So it's certainly worth it. I mean, I have to confess that one of the reasons that I wanted to do this class with Karen and uh, and have it for uh, the VA for VO community and others is that, you know, I, I don't always use a contract. I'll sign the contracts, but I don't always use one myself. Um, yep. I, I tend to use email. I mean, I certainly yep. document everything, have something in writing that just at least confirms what we've talked about on the phone if we've talked, that kind of thing. But I I would like to. I would like to have some more formality. Um, so another piece of this class is to uh, help people understand that it doesn't have to be quite so formal or quite so scary. Like you can write things in kind of in any order. And so we talk about the structure of what a contract looks like and how that, you know, means you can literally write it on the back of a napkin if you want to. You bring up a really great point. So let, let's go into that, which is email. 90% of the deals that I do, right or wrong, hopefully not too wrong, I guess I'm about to find <laughs> out, 90% of the deals that I do, it's through email exchange, but they will ask me, you know, so they ask me for a quote, right? So then I write back for a very clear explanation of what is the intended usage, how long is the project, you know, all of those sorts of things. So I get all of the details outlined and then I'll provide them a quote. And then I'll ask them to confirm. And so then they respond back and confirm, you know, yes, it's this, 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 and this. And my assumption was always, okay, I've got it in writing. You know, they've confirmed. We outlined all of the things. Is that okay? Or am I going to get screwed one day? <laughs> well, I'll give you the my very favorite lawyer answer, which is it depends. Um, <laughs> You might be okay. Are you sure that's lawyer answer? Yeah. That sounds like political speak <laughs> right. to me. I don't but know. It, it depends because it will depend on the jurisdiction where you are working. If there are any specific uh, commercial code requirements for certain things. So sometimes it's worth asking a couple questions as you're figuring out how do I want to do this? But the basics of contract law is, did you have an offer? Was there acceptance? And is there consideration? Okay. So are you going to do something for someone? They're going to give you something in exchange and you all have agreed to that. That's the basics of a contract. So in an email chain, you would need all of the emails to make all of those elements yep. to prove them. So why did contract, why are we make such a big deal about these written contracts? Because it's easier to document and if you ever, the only reason you ever want a contract is when someone's not following it. And then you want to make sure you have something documented that you can easily put in front of a judge or an arbitrator or someone to say, hey, see, this is what we agreed to at the time. And it's not based on someone's recollection or their, right. this is no, this is what I meant by this. This is why when you look in contracts, you'll see definitions and terms and conditions. 
Those are to make sure we all understand what the words mean that are in this thing that we're now showing to someone to say, see, they said they would do X. So the really basics that you have, you have documentation of an offer, uh, an exchange of something worth value and agreement upon that. You know, that's what you're looking for. So see, contracts are not that scary after all. Never delete your emails. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Never Absolutely. delete your emails. The other thing that I'll tell I... you just to kind of throw in a little thing about emails is that yep. there's this thing called metadata. There's all these other things that litigators uh, worry about. And so sometimes just having an email all by itself that's resident on your server you may have some risk there. So one of the things that I tell folks is to take all of those emails and put them into some sort of document, like take all your emails, put them in a PDF, make them into a PDF document, put that somewhere so that there isn't any issue of you altered an email, it vanished off your server, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just a little, little pro tip there. What kind of voiceover work would you like to do? What is the genre that you dream about booking work in? For me, it's all about documentary and TV narration. I am absolutely committed to finding and creating opportunities for myself in the documentary and TV narration space. And one of the ways that I'm trying to make that happen right now is through LinkedIn. Making a ton of strategic connections, having a lot of really helpful and insightful conversations, and building relationships with the people who can hire me for these genres. Would you like to learn how to use LinkedIn to do the same thing for your voiceover business? Would you like to learn how to maximize your profile so you can get found in search? Would you like to learn how to grow your network strategically and build relationships with the right people? Would you like to learn content strategies that are going to get you noticed and keep you top of mind? I'll be teaching all of these things in my Making Money with LinkedIn Masterclass. There are two dates and times to choose from to join me live for this two-hour masterclass. February 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern, February 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, just as a note, even if you can't attend live, sign up anyway because you're going to get access to a complete video recording. And one more thing, everything that I teach in this class can be done with a free LinkedIn profile. Go to vopreneur.com, click on the store button, and look for Making Money with LinkedIn. Beopreneur.com, click on the store button. Now, back to our show. I had one instance many years ago where I found out that a voiceover that I had provided was being used in a manner which I had not agreed to. And I had the entire original email chain where everything was very clearly outlined. And so I did take that to a lawyer and say, you know, is this good enough? Because at that point, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And at that point, I didn't know other than, you know, hold the emails, no contract or whatever. And we were able to use that to go after the client and and get the payment that I was rightfully owed for what they had done. And so then, of course, after that, you're, you know, you're invincible. You're like, oh, well, then all I ever need is email. Then I guess that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. But I can see where there's value in having some sort of an agreement, which to be clear, I think part of the problem is the word contract has a branding issue, right? When, when, as soon as you hear contract, you immediately think like, you know, thick as a Bible, thousand pages, lawyer speak, can't be understood, et cetera, et cetera. But we could literally be talking about a one page document. Could we not? We could be talking about three paragraphs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about a standard agreement. What's what's some really kind of easy standard agreement that like what what has to be there? Your name, their name, the agreed usage. Yeah. Sign it. Like, is it that simple? Well, yeah. We go through the structure of um, of what there's no there. Yes, there are some very basic like what should be in a contract. Right. But instead of um, dictating here's the structure here's how you start this is what comes next this is the next thing we just kind of talk about elements that you need to make sure are in your contracts and to karen's point the the offer certainly has to be there the parties who is this between who's agreeing who's paying whom who's delivering what um so that kind of information but like i said that you could write that on the back of a napkin if yeah. it's Lynn will mow Mark's lawn for $50,000. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> you know? What a deal. Sold. <laughs> for Saturday. Right. 
I mean, I okay. have even heard of people doing video contracts. So you have, you know, a video set up and the people are in the room and they're talking about what they're agreeing to. And, you know, back in the day, way back in the Wayback Machine, people shook hands and they just said, this is what I'm going to do. And they said, deal. And that was it. And then what was the good old days? Yeah, those, things those got litigious. Days, right? And then someone said, well, I, that's not how I remember it. And then it was like, okay, now the gates are open. And so I tend to not, I'm not a huge um, template advocate or standard agreement. Like here's a standard agreement, just use this because this is what happens. This is why you have thousand page documents that no one understands what half of it means because it's just been added. And we just put this in and we put that in, we put that in. We're thinking of everything that could possibly go wrong, which is good. It is always good to think about all the things that could go wrong when everything is good, because it's much easier to come to agreement on how we will do something when we're not mad at each other. When we're mad at it's each other, pressing at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> when we're mad at each other, we can't agree to anything because now you it's know true. We're, yep. our feelings are hurt or you know whatever. We feel like we've gotten ripped off. Whatever has happened. Yep. So that's part of why they get so big really, really big is all the things that might could happen. This might could happen and that might could happen. And if that, then that blah, blah, blah. Um, And so I tend to tell folks to start really, really simple. And then if you have a situation that requires some additional language to go ahead and craft it specific for that, to kind of get away from, I mean, there's, there's lots of businesses, no shade to them that, where people have put together templates for you to begin and to do, you know, do it yourself. Um, but if you don't understand what they mean, they're they're not any more helpful than a thousand page document. And I think the risk there too is that you'll, you know, templates. We think of templates as a shortcut, right? Okay, well, you put this template together. It must be good. Let me just put it in, change my name, change the project name, and move on. When lurking in the template somewhere is something ridiculous, or isn't something that will hurt you or your client, but is completely wackadoodle for what you're trying to do. And you hand that to a client and the client's like, what is this? Because they're going to take everything you write down very seriously, all of it. So if there's a paragraph in there that makes no sense because you grabbed a template and, you know, we all want to do things more efficiently and quicker. (laughs) So we grabbed a template and we just slapped it together and sent it off. And now you look kind of silly with maybe egg on your face because you gave a contract that was about landscaping or something. I mean, not that crazy, but this brings up a really good point because I I feel like anymore, I can't have an episode of the podcast without talking about AI. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad (laughs) thing, but there are people I've heard voice actors talk about this who will go to a service like chat GPT and get it to write a contract. Mm -hmm. Explain how that could go catastrophically bad. Yeah. um, (laughs) It can go catastrophically bad because what AI is going to do is go out into the world with your prompt words. So if you say contract for vocal, whatever, X, Y, Z, vocal product called advertisement, um, and it'll pull things from all over the place that are available, just like you could do. It just takes this thing a lot faster. Yep. So then you grab all this information and you have it. But if you didn't understand the document someone else wrote and gave to you, what makes you think you understand this one any differently? It may still have those wacky words in it that are no good. So here's my thought. And I'm not th- trying to throw shade at ChatGPT because it may be that once you have some education and experience, you could use it. You could go out right. and grab a, something that ChatGPT puts together, look at it and be able to analyze it for yourself. And that's really my goal is I want people to be good legal consumers that they can do some of this stuff for themselves. You know, They don't need to always be unable to make a business decision because their lawyer didn't look at it. But when sure. you're starting out, maybe you do need a little more help and guidance to know as you're looking at something to say, no, that doesn't make any sense for me, for what I need. So I'm taking that out. Or, hey, you know what? This AI generated contract doesn't say anything about AI using my stuff that I'm about to give you. That would be kind of important these days. And so there may be things missing from the contract that unless you know a little bit about it, you wouldn't even notice that it was missing. So there's the risk. And we're not advocating that you not use a lawyer. We certainly advocate for using lawyers. Karen 
obviously makes her living being a lawyer. So, I mean, we're not saying that lawyers are bad. In fact, lawyers are necessary, especially if there's confusion or if you don't know something, need guidance. I mean, absolutely consult a lawyer. But um, you don't lawyers are not the only people who can write a contract or who can read a contract. And we want to make people uh, actually we want to make all small business owners. Um, this is it, this is slightly VO specific in this class because that's what we're where we're coming sure. from. But nothing that we talk about is uh, only for voiceover right. and only for that environment. We we want it to be empowering for anyone who wants to learn a little bit about contracts and feel more confident signing them and creating them. But um, you don't have to be a lawyer to read them or understand them. Um, yeah, and I would argue to litigate you, you shouldn't need a lawyer to be able to read and understand it. If it's written in such a way that only someone with you know advanced legal training can understand the words, um, then whoa, hold up, that that's not the goal, you know. My whole philosophy was the more complicated the language in the contract, the larger the company I must be working for. So the more money I must be getting paid. Right. That was kind of my math yeah. equation. Not always accurate, but. Yeah. Or they've spent all their money on hiring lawyers to write this fancy contract. For you. That's right. There's there's nothing left because of, because of that. It's a very small fee. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious about, because we've talked about contracts and we've talked about agreements. And I think sometimes those words kind of get used interchangeably. Can can they be used interchangeably or is there a difference? Can you talk to that a little bit? I can. Uh, a contract, an agreement, uh, it's the same thing. Really, okay. when you're when you're looking at what something is, it's not necessarily only what it's called, but it's what does it do. So if it's a piece of paper that says contract on it and in that thing marked contract, there is no offer, there is no acceptance, there is no agreement there is no terms, then I don't care what you called it, it won't function as a contract. On the other hand, if you call something, you know, uh, Lynn's quote, and in the, her quote page, it has, here's, here's the offer, you sign at the bottom accepting the terms and conditions and all of those things, then even though you didn't call it a contract, it's going to function as your contract or your agreement between the parties. So it's really more about what does it do, not only what we call it. Okay. I don't want to go there again, but I need to. We got to talk about AI one more time. Because okay. let's just say that you've been the perfect model of a business operator. All the years that you've been doing your voiceover business, you've got contracts for every job you've ever done. Everything is spelled out. Everything is clear. They're all on file. You got the, you know, the old school five drawer steel, 500 pound filing cabinet in your office. The contracts are all in there for the last 25 years, but now the world has changed. And there's this synthetic voice deal, which did not exist when you had all of these contracts written, signed, et cetera, before. Are you dinked? Well, the good news about contracts is that you can modify them or amend them. Use that word kind of interchangeably. Normally we use the word amendment before we sign something and then we use modification after we've signed something. So if you have a long-term contract with a client and you discover that something about that relationship has changed or needs to change, then you have a couple of options. One is to write a whole new contract which you can do if that's what you want to do, or you can do a modification to your existing contract That's that as long as it references this contract we signed, this agreement we signed back in you know 2014 that says X, Y, Z, we're now going to add this language related to this new thing that is now in the world. And that requires you to have a conversation with that client to say, hey, look, when I sold you this product and I said that you had the uses of it, you know as well as I do that this new use wasn't contemplated, which means back to offer and acceptance and compensation or consideration. So you didn't, I didn't offer this to you for this purpose. You didn't pay me for this purpose. And therefore we don't have an agreement about that and we okay. need to. So let's have a conversation about it. For example, if there's some existing, um, you know, voice 
print that you've made that they now want to use to train their AI, for example, you may need to have an addendum or an amendment to your contract that says, okay, you can use this thing that I created for you on this date for this additional purpose, for this additional money, for this additional period of time or whatever you negotiate with them. So two-part question. If we assume that we had the contracts in place previously and we had the offer, we had the agreement and it did not include AI, synthetic voice, et cetera, do we or can we reasonably assume that we are safe or should we be looking at going back to some of these jobs and some of these clients and asking to make an addendum to the agreement? Well, I like to assume that my clients are people who are, you know, working above board, like start with assuming everybody's just trying to do a good job and the right thing, that they're not all out to get us, first of all. That's a Mm -hmm. good mindset to make sure you're working from, is that your clients are not out to screw you, Uh, but they may have a new thing that they're like, oh, we have this new technology. We got this new boss in who's really interested in AI. And, oh, we made this cool voice print. Here you go. You know, look what we did with you. And you're like, oh, whoa, timeout. That was not at all part of our agreement. Then at that point, you know, especially if they're still like talking to you about the fact, like, unless they did it secretly on the side, in which case (laughs) that's bad. But, you know, if they're having a conversation like, hey, we're using your voice print. It's really cool. You know, we want to show it to you. At that point, you can have a conversation with like, ah, you really can't do that. And, uh, you know, whatever, wherever yeah. your position is with it. Um, but, yeah, uh, there there are lots of places to check now to see. There are more companies coming out with ways that you can check to see if your voice is a part of Tim Friedlander because they've been doing, Nava has been doing all of the um, AI stuff. He posted about something. I'm going to probably quote it wrong, but um they're working on a software that will let you uh, store your voice print safely and that you can it'll let you use that voice print to figure out if your voice print's part of any other voice prints yep. in the world that you didn't say it was okay. Um, so I think the more those technologies come about, I, plus uh, Karen texted me a, a whole bunch of copyright information and the, people are working on getting protections for this new world because we're in a new world. And I think AI is great for lots of things. Um, I'm a little frustrated that they started with all the creatives, right? (laughs) Obviously, as all the voice actors are. But, um, you know, I mean, I think eventually there's going to be more protection and more regulation anyway to stop your clients from taking it the next step. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we should be paying attention. And if we hear... If you hear someone you recognize, yeah. like, hey, Mark, did you do a Dr. Yeah, Pepper do commercial? Yeah. Was that Dr. Pepper? Did they, did they finally hire you, my friend? And you're like, no. <laughs> and then you find out they're using your voice, right. then, you know. And then it'll be, it'll be one of those discussions about if you did happen to sign a, one of those contracts with language in it that you didn't really know what it meant, that's where things kind of come back and maybe um, have the result you're not as happy about because there's a lot of language yes there's language that seems at the time that in perpetuity okay i'm okay with using it in perpetuity for this purpose but i didn't know about that purpose so i certainly couldn't have agreed to that and there aren't there aren't any cases yet that answer that question um there will be there's, there's too many people and there's too many lawyers and, and law student clinics looking at this stuff where it to not be it to not get in front of the courts where then we'll have some more information. So right now, to me, um, AI feels a little like the wild, wild west. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And in that case, which is kind of exciting to me from a, from a legal perspective, because it gives me, if I'm good at talking to my client about what they intend to use and I'm clear in my language about what I'm actually selling them, then I'm not, I'm not tied up in a bunch of other cases and other things. It's like, this is between me and my client and we're going to work this out at our level for our purpose. And we're not going to get tainted by some of this other stuff. So where there's some 
you know, law that says, no, you can have it for whatever you want business. And, you know, now you're kind of having to fight up against that bias in business. So I think it's, I mean, part of it too, is you think about how quickly the technology has changed. So I did a synthetic voice, I guess it would have been the end of kind of the fall winter of, uh, 22, I did a synthetic voice, you know, signed agreement, copyright, all that sort of stuff. But it took me like 60 hours in the booth to build out that voice for the 9,000 different lines that I had to read and all that sort of stuff. And now like literally three seconds three, of your yeah, voice and boom, there's 30 a, seconds later that you would have had it there's done. A, right. You, I could say anything in the whole entire world. And like the, the speed at which the technology is evolving, I think is part of the thing that's freaking us out because right. the technology is obviously evolving significantly faster than regulation is being developed. Right. Although I, I recently did an interview with uh, Tim and Karin from Nava and the one thing we kept talking about was, you know, it's it's an election year. And and the fact that it's an election year and the fact that AI could have a very profound impact on that might be driving some stuff to get done a lot faster. But it is one of those things that voice actors need to think about. We need to think about how we are how we are protecting ourselves and whether or not you maybe need to go back to some stuff that you've done in the past, whether it would be worth it. So you you talked about you know, the ability to go back and add an addendum or whatever, could it be as simple as the, the AI writer that Nava's created? Could you use that? I, I would say I haven't seen the latest version. I saw what may have been an earlier version. I've, I've seen a version of the writer. Um, you may, it may be the latest, unless they've done a, yet another. I, I grabbed the latest for okay. our class. So yeah, we, uh, we talk about it yeah, a, a little bit. We've in the class. seen it and, um, the issue with applying something retroactively to something that's already taken place um, is that you need to address that. So it may be that the writer is a really good place to start to talk about what okay. are the kind of uses, but then addressing the fact that, look, I, I voice actor have been paid a certain amount, but there is an additional amount that I believe I'm due if you're going to use my voice print for something else that you didn't, that we didn't discuss. And then all those terms that are in the, in the rider. The thing I think is really great about Nava putting together that for you is that they've done, um, they've given you this really great place to start. And I think if you didn't yeah. have any sort of unique situation or anything, then they've probably covered a lot of what you would have, you know, that you would be facing. It's just a matter of if your situation is slightly different, like, Hey, I'm going back to an old contract to an old thing that's already been done. And I'm going to change that somehow then. I mean, yes, but I think, you know, short answer is it's a great place to start. Absolutely. A great place to start. So going forward anyway, at the least going forward, it's something to think about including in the, in the projects that you're right. you're creating as a, as a way of protecting yourself. I think the challenge with that becomes that I guess really in the world that we live in now a synthetic voice could be made off of a project that you did, but it doesn't have to be done by the person that was responsible for the project. It just has to be done by somebody who right. got access to the audio and I think that's part of the wild west nature yes. of all of this, right? Like I've already said, I'm so dink because of this podcast and my YouTube channel. Like I'm just, there's not like I'm dinked. Yeah. I, you, I could send the novel writer to the whole world and it wouldn't matter at this point. My voice is out there so much, right. but I think one but thing it is that something is, we need to think about. That is slightly comforting to me is that a lot of the, the work that is being done right now in the regulatory space has to do with how people use voices that are kind of, available out in the world. So I know that it's somewhat frustrating for business folks who maybe want regulation to focus more on how should people in business relate to each other and how can you do this and all those. But right now I'm, I'm feeling a little comforted that the regulations that people are looking at, for example, the Copyright Office and others, that really sure. is regulating how you can use something that exists already in the world that you didn't personally create. And so I think like maybe that's step one to help us take a little bit of a breath and go, okay, 
And then get a broad based yeah. kind of blanket solution and then start to niche it down yeah, to because really, industries and if whatnot. you're in a contract negotiation with someone, you can address that stuff. You don't need a law. You don't need a regulation. You need a conversation sure. between you yep. and your the person that's buying your voice to make agreements about things. And then you don't it doesn't matter what the regulators do. It's it's yep. the what is what how do we, you know, control or what remedies do we have if one of these other wild actors out here does something that's, you know, unfair? That's right. where the regulation is right now, which I think is probably the right place to start because we do have the ability to protect ourselves through agreements. Okay. That makes also, sense. Also, you know, I mean, the the more visible a person is, you know, the the higher power position they're in, high celebrities high politicians, if their voices get cloned and used inappropriately and they're unhappy about that, they're more willing to right. They got a regulate. lot more money to, to push <laughs> right. this through yeah. a little bit faster right. than I exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, not just you. I mean, you certainly have way more than I do. So, um, you know, yeah, it's that. But it's got to start somewhere, right? But, Some, right. Somebody, and, and, and I think, you know, going back to what I said earlier when, when in talking with Tim and Karn, I think the election year thing is is think that has brought a level of expediency mm -hmm. to getting some of even some of the basic blanket protections in place. But right. but you make a valid point that we this is still some regulation or no regulation. It's still something we can talk about with clients. It's still something we can include in a contract or an agreement or, you know, use the Nava Rider or whatever, where the regulations are going to come in right. to play, I guess, is on the, the other side of this. If something bad happens, right. you know, and, and outside of the contract, that's right. that's where it comes into play. Yeah. It really, I think the first litigations will be in the copyright arena, um, yep. which is good for everyone who may be protected by copyright. Um, we talk in the class a little bit about this kind of scary term that y'all use called work for hire and how that plays into the copyright protections and other things. And so, um, again, good. That's why I say understanding what you're actually signing up for is important. Yep. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a wild world, but you know, that I call that kind of being on the bleeding edge, which is yep. where I like to be sometimes, because I think that's where we, we actually get to do the work that's specific to what matters to me, you know, in my business, this is what matters to me. And, and I want to work with clients that are willing to have those conversations and sure. agree to those protections, because if they're not willing to do that, do I want to work with them? That's the next yep. question that Valid you know, question. I tell my clients. To, <laughs> if someone's asking you to do something that makes you uncomfortable and they're unwilling to give you the protection that they're not going to steal your voice, then maybe they're going to steal your voice. Maybe that's their whole plan, you know? And and I can say from my experience, right. I've had a couple of instances in the past where there was language in the contract I was not comfortable with. I asked if we could have that language removed. Their response was, we're never going to do that anyway. And I'm like, great, then take it, take out. it out. Well, they didn't want to take it out because then they got to go back to the lawyer. So they were just trying to get me to just, you know, rely on their word, mm -hmm. which I don't want to just go and say, well, you're a liar, right? I, but if it's in the contract and I sign it, then it doesn't matter right. <laughs> ultimately if they, if they gave me their word. And so I do have to, you know, I have had times where I've said no and, and I've, and I've walked away and not felt bad about it because to your point, is this somebody that I really want to build a working relationship with anyway, if, if they're not willing to, you know, have that conversation or, or make that accommodation. Right. So yeah. that, that's a totally valid point. Something to think about for everybody. To that point, And also to bring in the AI, I did uh, investigate um, building an AI voice, which was for a project that I thought was going to be very restrictive, just to a certain level of developers, not used for anything else. Uh, so we're about halfway through and, and they send me the contract. I send it to Karen, who says, don't sign this. <laughs> Do not sign this. And we all need a sister who's a lawyer. <laughs> you are My sister's giving... a massage therapist. I mean, there's good that could be good <laughs> sometimes, but <laughs> and and I kind of had known that anyway or suspected that anyway. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of scary stuff in here that I yeah. don't know if that's totally true. Let me send it. Don't sign this. Do not do it. Uh go back to them and ask, you know, if if there's room to move. And I wanted to say, can we write a contract for me that limits 
our business, our, you know, doesn't limit what you want to do as a business to grow your business. They wanted to grow from doing game and only games to doing car tech. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great, can we write ours that is just the game piece of it? And it was just game development. It was very, very niche. Um, and they said, no, no, because we want our we want our business to be able to grow. And I was like, that's because great. Because we I, want to be able to get a really big buyout one day from, a, love, from right. an acquisition. And, I'd love yeah. for your business to be able to grow. Unfortunately, I don't feel like it can grow with me because I, unless you're willing, I, I'm at that point, I was even like, hey, when you grow and you have somebody who wants to use my voice for your car tech, we'll talk. Yep. Let's talk. We can right. yep. make fair compensation. What what right. the three C's that Karen and Tim talk about? Yep. Uh, compensation, control, and consent. Consent. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had to say, okay, well, unfortunately, we can't move forward because I can't sign your contract. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. Okay, this one is a personal issue. <laughs> But I'm, I'm looking forward to the answer to this. <laughs> if you sign an NDA and then you start talking about the big project with the big client that you just signed the NDA for, but you can't name names or really say anything, but you're just excited and wanted everybody to know. So you posted it all over social media. Can you please, for the love of God, <laughs> tell us that that is a complete violation of the NDA so that people will stop doing it? Yeah, here's, here's the thing about an NDA. An NDA is nothing more than a particularized contract. Okay. So you have signed a contract where you said, I will do certain things in order to, and I will not do certain things in order to receive some sort of compensation or consideration or whatever it was that you did. So if you then do the thing you said you would not do, you have in fact violated or breached the contract. And so Breaching a contract comes with legal consequences. So what those are, if it was in the NDA, some NDAs say what the legal consequences will be. And others don't say what legal consequences will be, which means that a judge would get to decide what are the legal consequences. Right. And the way we decide legal consequences are on, you know, what are the damages that are caused mm -hmm. by this breach of contract? So it's not just a oh, this NDA doesn't really mean anything. It's it's an agreement. It's a contract. And if you received compensation for it, then it's an enforceable contract, which can't has legal consequences if you breach it, if you're in breach. Of that and if, if you're vague booking about a contract and saying like, oh, I got this great, I got, you know, but it's all under NDA, so all I can say or, is Or you try to drop excited. subtle clues, like right. the yeah, color of their logo. By holding the, the product in your location. hand while you're... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you're oh my trying gosh, please to... just stop. But you're, because you're excited and you want to share, right? I get yes. that, that motivation of it. But you are, first of all, violating the contract because you said you would not share about it. And even though you think you're vague booking about it, yep. if they could prove that you were actually talking about their project, you have violated their NDA. And yep. some, especially game companies, look for that stuff. They, they follow you. So, so that goes back sure to earlier when we said, has, there, has there ever been an instance where a voice actor got sued? That might be where, <laughs> that, well, that might they, be where it is or where it will come from one day. Right. Well, uh, I don't... I have heard rumors that uh, actors have been fired for things sure. like that. Right. I don't yep. have any facts about that, right. but right. it certainly sounds like it's a fireable offense. It's just not worth it. Well, it's, yeah. I get yeah. I get when you're excited and I get, but like literally, you literally are talking about the fact that you signed a document that says that you can't talk about it. So why? Right. <laughs> right. Why are the you talking? Vague booking yeah. is not yeah. going to save you if yep. they can, if they can, Prove to a judge. And that's the thing, yep. too, that you're that it's not hard and fast. Well, no, I mean, I could have had five jobs that I signed big NDAs with. Yeah, you might you could have, but maybe the timing is just right enough. Yep. You prove that to a judge and they rule against well, you. To anyway. me, I would think it's also part of a small business is your reputation. Like that's the 100%. biggest part that you bring to a as a small yep. business owner, one of the most important things you bring is your business reputation. And so 
breaching a contract is certainly not the business reputation that most people would want to have. And so I would be advising folks that if you even if you think, well, I'm close enough to the line, well, is that the repu the business reputation you want to have as someone who skirts so close to a breaching of a contract. Well, what else will you breach or what else will you not follow? Don't it? poke the bear. <laughs> right. Well, and when you're, when it's okay. And when the agreement says you can share, share away. Sure. Everybody's yeah, excited 100%. about yeah. like, 100%. Hey, I can, and we see that we do see that a lot where people say, I can yep. finally talk about yep. this thing that I haven't been able to talk about right. at all, but don't totally lead, different scenario. Yeah. Don't lead a year prior to, yep. Oh, I just got this great big NDA job that I can't talk yep. about, but I'm super excited. So cheer me on. Like, don't do that. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Okay. You heard it from a lawyer. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> High okay. legal risk. That's how I would. We, uh, <laughs> we, we've referenced it a couple of times, the course demystifying yes. contracts, which is mm -hmm. being, uh, been put together by, uh, VA for VO. So give us the rundown on the course, why we need this and where we can find it and get signed up because we, and, and, and whether or not there's a thing about, we, we can take this section from about, about NDAs and we can add it in as a bonus video into the <laughs> into the course if you want to. But. Uh, we do talk about NDAs in the course. Um, yeah. It, uh, so VA for VO in association with Messy is Wonderful, which full disclosure, I'm a member of both. Uh, Karen and I have a, a business called Messy is Wonderful, where we teach people how to negotiate and have hard uh, conversations and um, and now also how to uh, demystify contracts. And uh, so VA for VO is where the course is available. You do not have to be a member. Um, we just moved to a new platform. Super excited about uh, that for VA for VO. So if you go to our website, in the menu, there is a link for the store. Okay. Soon, there'll be information on the main homepage about the course. But for now, go to the store link and you'll find our deep dives and uh, the demystifying course is there. And we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes too, so it's really easy for people to find. Yeah. And, and uh if you are a member of VA for VO, or if you're were thinking about signing up to be a member of VA for VO, you get a discount on all of our deep dive courses. So you would get a discount on this one as well. But okay. um, it is available to everyone. You do not have to be a member to get it. And okay. that is, uh, was one of our main points. We wanted to make sure that as many people as needed it could get it. So. Certainly. Okay. So give us a, give us a rundown. What are, what are some of the things that are covered in it? And, uh, you know, how, why, why do we need this? Because let's be honest, we all need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll give the quick rundown. We, um, we first, we talk about the basics of contracts and Karen gives a little contract 101 and then we, uh, bust some myths because there's plenty of myths about what is and what isn't with contracts. Uh, then I went through a handful of my contracts and grabbed out a bunch of language that either, I didn't know <laughs> or, and signed anyway, or uh, thought was you know, scary language. We talk about that. And then uh, we go through and talk about structure or how to think about constructing your own. So it's really, we tried to hit both the, um, you know, we sign these all the time. Yep. Uh, it's about time you understand what you're signing. 100%. And, uh, and then if you also want to use them in your business, here's how to think about constructing them. So, uh, but, you know, Karen is, I have, I'm lucky because I can just go to my sister and ask these questions of, but uh, having Karen's knowledge available to more people, empowering more people to just feel more comfortable. Uh, there, there have been a number of great classes about how to think about contracts and how to write them. And a lot of them are, you know, first you start with this and then you write this next and then you write this and no shade. That is per, oh, a way to uh, to go about sure. having contracts. But we wanted to do something a little different, which was to empower people to have a fuller knowledge, just like a that. fuller general legal. Don't be so scared of legal stuff uh, so that then you're empowered to see something we didn't talk about and not immediately head in the sand, sign anyway. Or, you know, run away from. So I think that that in and of itself is the biggest thing, right? Because I know from conversations that I have with voice actors and coaching sessions, how many of them have just signed it and sent it back out of fear right. or yep. signed it and yep. sent it back out of, 
I hate to use the word ignorance because it doesn't sound like the right word, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you, you right. assume that, you know, they're smarter than I am or their lawyer's smarter than I am or whatever. So you sign it and you send it back. And so just getting voice actors to actually read what they're signing, that in and of itself would, would be huge. But this wild west world that we are moving into with technology and synthetic voices and all of that, it only amplifies the importance for uh, being able to protect ourselves. And so if this course can help us to do that, I mean, then that is an investment in your business that could potentially reap uh, major rewards down the road if, you know, God forbid, but if something ever happened that you needed to needed to go back, yeah. right? It, it'll save you money too, because if you do have to employ a lawyer, you yep. will start from a different position than yep. you would if you have no information, yeah. whether you can say, hey, it's this part of the contract, it's this language, I need you to look right here. That may take the lawyer a lot less time and cost you a lot less money. Right. The other thing that I want to, kind of the framework that we took to approach this is that there's not like good and bad. So if you sign something you didn't fully understand, you're not bad. You're not a bad business yep. owner. You, know, you didn't make a bad decision. What we try to do is frame things in terms of legal risk. And as a business right. owner, one of the things that you need to be able to do is determine which level of business risk you are willing to take. So you may be in a situation where you say, I can take more risk here and I'm willing to, but you can't do that if you don't know what the risk is then you can't accept it. And then you end up just completely operating from a place of fear or this place of disempowerment and imbalance between the creative and the client. And there's no need for that. Like the clients value you, you bring something valuable. Yeah. And I want yeah. VOs um, to value themselves too, to understand that, you know, they're not the help here. They are the, they're the creative, they're the content, they're the thing that is, at play. So we want to take that like energy and move it into empowerment with contracts too. Yeah. One of the most grown up phrases that I ever said in my life that I thought at the time anyway, was I have to send this to my lawyer, which is one of those <laughs> phrases where I thought never in a million years was I going to say, let me send this to my lawyer. And now here I am, you know, 10 years into a, a full-time business in voiceover, and I've actually used that phrase more than <laughs> once. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, this is part of the business. Yeah. It, it's part of the business. And if you're going to operate your business like a business, it's something that you certainly will never hurt for having at least a basic knowledge or, or understanding of. And so- right. Uh, you know, a course like this that can, you know, do that, demystify some of this process and make it a little bit easier to understand absolutely to everybody's advantage. Okay. So we know we got to click on the store button. Give us the URL. Uh, it is va4vo.com and okay. then go to the menu for the store. F-O-R? Yes. Oh, sorry. V-A-F-O-R-V-O.com. Yes. Okay. And, and again, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes so you can find it there. Uh, and and be able to look that up and 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 get signed up for that. And it is available. It is now. available now. It yes, it's available now. Okay, perfect. So, this is what uh, this is your homework assignment now. I mean, you got to go and 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 do the thing, as I like to say. Well, Lynn, Karen, thank you so much for for coming and and having this conversation. It's uh, it can be really intimidating, right? It, it especially if you've never done anything like this before. And the first time that you read one of those contracts that you, you don't know if you want to cry or if you, you know, if you want to, if, if it makes you feel like, Oh, I'm a legit business now. I just, I, that, that very, it's a very conflicting feeling on one hand. I'm like, I'm a boss now. And on the other hand, I'm like, I'm I just want to cry. <laughs> oh no, I'm, a I'm boss. the boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but it's part of, it's part of the business. And so thank you so much for, for sharing some of the things that you've shared to, help us to understand this a, a little bit better. And I know Absolutely. that the course will be a, a huge help to uh, any voice actor who goes and signs up for it. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you. We uh, just one last thing. We split the course up. So it's a number, uh, not a number, but a few modules. So you don't have to sit through and slog through everything. We, yeah, we broke it up. I mean, one of them is a little long, but, uh, but we broke it up so that you're not sitting through a lecture that's, you know, days right long. On. But it's so interesting. Awesome. You will not. It will. It will fly by. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I mean, if it saves you from a situation, right? And and everybody thinks I thought I would never be the guy that was in that situation yep. until I was the guy that was in that situation. And 
having the right agreement in place saved my butt and put multiple thousands of dollars in my pocket as well, because I had something that I was able to go back on. And so, you know, you think that it won't happen to you or your business is too small or I'm too new or whatever, but it can, and it does. And protect yourself so i call it the umbrella theory of life when i have an umbrella it does not rain so when i have a contract i don't need it to the same extent there you go makes perfect (laughs) sense all right ladies thank you so much i appreciate it thank you thanks part of your responsibility as a vopreneur is protecting yourself and your business and one of the ways that you are going to protect yourself and your business is through the agreements that you have and the contracts that you sign. I really hope that you found this episode to be insightful and that you were taking some notes on some things that you know that you can improve in your own business when it comes to how you handle contracts. And if you're interested in the course, please check it out at vaforvo.com. Go to vaforvo.com. Look for Demystifying Contracts. I know it's going to make it easier for you. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO Pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. UpperLevelHosting.com And And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at Vopreneur.com.